Let's go, Nathan. It's a year, year on, isn't it? Year it's on. A year on. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday to the podcast. Isn't it great? <laughs> and they said we'd the never thing. make it. Yeah. <laughs> well, have, have we made it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we're going to die trying, that's for sure. Yes, we're, we're still getting there, I think. But a uh, little bit by little bit. Yes. Better each but, week. Uh, Better each after, week. After, yeah, that's right. After 80 such recordings, or thereabouts, it's in excess mm-hmm. of 80, countless guests, we're here. Yep, yep. And carry on into the future. And um, thanks to everyone who's listened and been a guest and um, enjoyed, enjoyed us, you know, enjoyed listening to us and joined us along the way as well. Absolutely. And actually, if we're doing this at the top of the show, I've got some numbers yeah. for you. Oh, go for so it. Got, this will be piece number 94 of content we've put out. Wow. There you go. Over the course of the last year and 2,500 streams. We've had 31 different guests from 12 different countries. There you go. And uh, here's another year on the back peg. Been great. Asian Cup coming up in January. Mm-hmm. Yep. Euros in the summer. Mm. European summer, anyway. Yes. Be nice and, to be there. Uh, It'd be nice it to certainly be would be. there, wouldn't it? Mm. <laughs> it certainly would be. <laughs> hint, hint to any sponsors. Off you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, there you go. There you go. That'd be great. And uh, mm. well, look, and, you know, really just thanks to everyone who's listened and contributed and messaged us and been a guest. And it's been fantastic. And we've had, like you said, guests from different parts of the globe, which has been amazing, you know. And uh, we boarded that virtual jet for Destination Doha last year. And here we are now in Sydney on a nice, and we're not up late. Actually, we're recording at a decent hour. <laughs> Truth be told. <laughs> yes. Uh, a little bit later on in the week, yeah, we're recording this on Saturday morning. And yeah, I don't mind this, but... Uh, It'd be nice. I mean, we can't make this permanent. <laughs> no, we can't, can't make this permanent. <laughs> it's too late. Uh, but as you say, Laz, thank you to every single person who's checked out the pod, whether it be all the way back on episode one, anywhere in between. And yep. if you've hung around, if not, we appreciate every single person who's checked out the episode. And thank you as well to every guest who's appeared on. Mm. Uh, we've had some... Uh, interesting guests, so some wide variety of guests from all walks of life, Indeed. and we uh, look forward to seeing who we can get on in the year ahead, and looking forward to year two of the back peg and see what it brings. Year two of the back peg, here we go. So still in its you know, infancy. Yes, and we're very much still refining things, we're refining our recording, our editing, our what we do on the show, mm. and uh, I like to think the last episode we did is the best one, because ideally it should be, you keep learning, you keep growing. Of course. But, Laz, what has been some of your highlights over, over the past year? Well, uh, just talking on our show, Nathan, it's been, we're pretty loose generally, and I think people know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, it's uh, it's been an absolute blast, and thank you straight off the bat, because uh, without your editing and, and uh, uploading, it just uh, wouldn't take place. So, no, it's been absolutely brilliant to be part of this journey with you and share this journey with you, mate. It's been fantastic. So thank you before we get uh, too emotionally carried away. Uh, highlight, geez, there's been too many. The laughs, actually, the laughs. Yeah, and you know, like uh, people have said, you know, it's two mates just sitting down in a coffee shop or a virtual coffee shop, and you know, having a chat and uh, meeting guests along the way, and they're you know sharing their thoughts about football, which has been awesome. Yeah, absolutely, and I can echo that. Mm. You can say some of the guest highlights might have been some from the UK, some from uh, the continental Europe, but. Every single guest has been fantastic. Oh, we've enjoyed every guest we've had on. Yep. And I echo your thoughts, Laz. The best part has been just sitting down, talking to you each week, talking about football. What more could anyone want? 
That's right. That's right. No, it's been crazy. And it's been far, it's been crazy in the sense that how quickly this year has passed and how much has happened in football over the last year. And look, you know, the Men's World Cup was a highlight, no doubt. The Women's World Cup, absolute highlight. Um, but there's been football between and football after the Women's World Cup, and it's just been absolutely, you know, crazy. And this week alone, as we get into this week's uh, episode, has just been absolutely nuts, even though it was an international week, which you absolutely love, Nathan. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, international week is international week. Look, I think on the back peg, my personal highlight would have been coming on here straight after the World Cup final, the Men's World Cup final, mm. just in complete awe that of what we saw. Yep, yep, yep. That, I was highlight. lost for words on that recording, and I don't think there'll be another moment like that when we record the pod because that is just, I think that's the pinnacle for what we can see in one particular football match. It's very hard to top, and yeah, yeah. for mine, that is... Well said. Probably well said. probably the best part, the best yeah. point in which we've recorded an episode. No, well said, because... But there's been other good ones too, like mm. post-Australia for Ants mm-hmm. in the women's. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And yeah, plenty good more call. along the way. Yeah, good call. Uh, look, there's been... Yeah, you've pointed out two highlights there, no doubt, and hard to disagree with you with regard to the World Cup, Men's World Cup final, Argentina-France, and... Amazing, in a word, absolutely amazing, and it's probably the, in retrospect, it's probably been the best game of football I've seen at that stage as well for, you know, in living memory, and I am a little bit older than you as we keep referring to, <laughs> right? So, uh, but yeah, no, just an incredible event, incredible game of football, and the quality of football was great. I mean, look, it might not have been one for the purest, but it was sure as heck entertaining. It certainly was. But Laz, let's turn our attention to the past week, more than a week of action, because we're, what is it, nine days since our last recording? One more thing, though. Go on. One one more thing that's actually, you know, it's going to be a slight dig, but that's okay. And and Manchester United remains unsold. Still owned by the Glazers 12 (laughs) months later. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Yes, yes, yes. It is pertinent to this week's occurrences. That it is. That it is. And we had Laurie Whitwell on the pod back in February. Hoping there'd be a, a sale around the corner. Lo and behold, here we are, late October. Mm. Uh, still unsold. We have to get him back and, on. Uh, yes, we yep. certainly do. I'll we certainly try do. and arrange that. Let's see how we go. Mm. But, Laz, International Week. Yep. A-League Women's is back. A-League Men's is back. Mm-hmm. Oof, what a week. So much action. Should we go with A-League Women's? Because that had happened last week, last Let's weekend, right? And I thought it was a great launch. And two, yep. two great. great games of football to kick off the season with um, Newcastle just edging Central Coast and Sydney being dominant over the Wanderers. But it was, you know, really, really well received, good crowd numbers and great football played. Yeah, absolutely. Great to see everyone get out for the first round of the women's. And uh, I think a lot of that is off the back of the World Cup. It has to be. Yeah, it would have to be. You see Sydney and Melbourne Victory have high uh, memberships for this season. Mm. I think I saw this week Sydney have hit 20,000 members for the first time in their history, which is great to see. And I think a big boost of that is from the uh, the membership sales for specifically for the Alec Women's Day, which is fantastic for uh, that team, that club, mm-hmm. and everyone involved. And yeah. you mentioned those two games, uh, a crazy game in Adelaide. Yes, there was a crazy as game well, in Adelaide. The <laughs> <laughs> it was entertaining. Entertaining. Yes. Highlight of and, the week, I think. Highlight of the week, of round one, I think, without mm, a doubt. Yep. And it's just great to have domestic football back. Mm. We yeah. talked last week with Nick DeBarno about the long off season. And yep. yes, off the back of a World Cup, the Alec women needed a, a delay, mm. as we saw. 
but it still does leave you wanting more and oh, I can't wait oh, to get this started, all these sorts always. of things. And yeah, and great to have it back. Great yeah, to have it back. And um, we'll talk about it a bit later on, but we had a great game last night to kick off the Alec men as well. Yeah, we did. We did. We'll get to that um, shortly. But uh, the disappointing thing was to see Tobin go down in the ah, Sydney yeah. derby, uh, ACL, out for the year, game one. And yeah, it's a recurring theme in women's football, unfortunately. Very much so. I think maybe... Slightly okay for uh, the sense of the competition. Maybe Sydney won't be as dominant without her, but mm. you don't want to see competitiveness caused by that. No, exactly right. And it is a great shame um, for there to be a season ender on mm. round one. Yeah, yeah. And it's up to Sydney to try and solve that problem. They've been the dominant force in the other women for quite some time now. Yeah. And can they carry on? Does the show go on in Sky Blue? They might struggle a bit, I think. I think it does. Just I think Sydney are the strongest of all the teams. Uh, you know they played some really, and that score could have been anything in the first half. Sydney were well and truly dominant. So um, we'll play to them and hopefully a quick recovery to Tobin and uh, our thoughts with her. Uh, but yeah, the four-all game in Adelaide that you mentioned, Nathan, talk to us about that because that was <laughs> very entertaining. Very entertaining. Um, probably not the highest quality game of uh, football I've seen. Doesn't I mean, have to be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. We had three penalties and uh, two moments of real questionable goalkeeping. Um, but still, a four-all draw. <laughs> it's just chaos is the ha- word that comes happy to mind. Happy punters, right? Yep. Ha- happy punters. Come and it was a good crowd there in Adelaide yeah. for this. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was and a strong crowd. Following it up last night, games kicking off at, uh, what, would it have been five o'clock local mm. time? Mm. Yes, I know double headers are mm. something that should be explored, but... I mean, you're never going to get a great crowd for a five o'clock kickoff on a week, though. No, five o'clock Friday, no. Yeah, um, but I think all in all, good, good first week. Great to see the home of the Matildas, the home of the Matildas, in action. Yep. yep. For Melbourne victory against Brisbane. Mm. Shame about the weather. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it's uh, good to see these sorts of facilities in use, and I look Agreed. forward to seeing that uh, in action over the course of the season. Agree. But um, and I've noticed that Western Western United will be the women's team will be playing out of Tarnit as well now because that's been approved and in use, which is good to see. So hopefully that um, that'll look really good. But uh, there's been other developments. No more. No mats. No more. Indeed, and there's been other developments in the A League this week that we should touch on. Yes. (laughs) Before we get to all the other stuff, there is so much to cover off. It's been well a week and a bit since we last recorded, and it's just this past week of news has been crazy. I Struggle to think of a week in Australian football where there's been so much positivity around mm. because Australian football supporters are cynical by nature. Yes, they are. And they uh, are quick to uh, jump on something. Correct. They're very quick to jump on something if they don't see it to, uh, to be correct. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, I think the uh, the feeling around at the moment is uh, cautious optimism. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that's Because really this well week said. we have... Potential new owners to Perth Glory. We have the Socceroos doing very well over this international break. Uh-huh. And the continued positive feeling towards the Asian Cup seems to be growing. Uh-huh. We have a new owner for Auckland. Uh-huh. And that appears to be hitting the ground running. Uh-huh. Uh, Canberra seems to still be going through the process. But we also uh-huh. have the reversal of the very controversial A-League Grand Final decision. The introduction of a uh, United, United Ground, Ground. Mm. which is what they're calling it. I Do mean, you like I, the name? they're just calling. I mean, 
I know what you're getting at. No, do you like the name? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's essentially just another word for uh, like NRL's Magic Round and AFL's Gather Round. It's mm. just what other word we can stick in there. You know it works, sure. Mm. And also off the back of that the controversial decision at the end of last year, the mm-hmm. uh, the departure of the uh, much unpopular CEO of the A-Leagues, Danny Townsend. Uh, I like Danny. I'm a facing. Right. I like Danny. I had the pleasure of... Uh meeting him a couple of times and look he was charged with trying to act in the best interests of the APL and look that decision was somewhat controversial but I give him credit where credit's due he actually did front up when needed to and you know spoke on you know on a various occasions about it but I like this decision more so Yes, I do agree. And I forgot one more piece of positive news yes, is definitely. that Paramount Plus now has uh, pause and rewind. Yay. Yes, <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> and well done, Paramount Plus. <laughs> well said. Well said. No, but you're right um, there, Nathan. You're right. And I think it's a, a good move. And that's the biggest story of the week, I think, with regards to the United round. Um, and interesting to note that the politicians actually announced it rather than the APL. Yeah, we had Chris Minns, I think, the... Well, Chris Minns is the Premier of New South Wales. It, uh, I'm suspect he was reading very much off a uh, teleprompter. It looked like it to me. Yep, and uh, just the way he was reading the sentences as well, it didn't seem to naturally flow. But in any case, I think they've arrived at the right decision. Whatever process it went through, however long it took, I think this works much better. Agreed. This works a lot better. We have our A-League tradition, yep. which shouldn't have been deviated from in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think... Hats off to every single person in Australian football, whether it be media, whether it be supporters, mm. anyone else, with putting up that fight and saying, we don't like this, this is not what we're interested in, and this was a wrong decision. It's taken, what, 10 months nearly, mm. but a resolution has been found. Yeah, a victory for the fans, no doubt. Um, now it's up to the fans to actually make this United round work, and so if you're listening to this interstate, please come to Sydney in January. Right, we, we you know the game needs you because it'll be a really good event, and it's up to the football family in Australia to actually make the most of it. All right, and it's a great time of year in Sydney as well. Right. Um. That said, good luck to Danny Townsend over in the Middle East. Uh, wish him well, and hopefully it, uh, things work out well for him. Uh. But um. I know what he's doing. I know. I just, I just worked oh. out what he's doing last. Yeah. I uh, go on. I knew you were gonna. Was, <laughs> I've said this, but go on. You you slot the ball into the back back. Let's go. He's going over there to sabotage the World Cup bid. Oh, I wasn't going to go there. I was thinking different, but that's okay. I'm happy to go with that. And there's news on that front as well, Nathan, too. But that's it. Uh, yeah, best of luck to Danny Townsend. And um, look, great week for football in Australia, though. That's it. Yes, I say cautiously optimistic because usually when there's good stories around Australian football, there's a, a train coming mm-hmm. to uh, knock us all way. back down again. Well, let's hope and, that, uh, let's hope yeah, that train, not. Yeah, let's hope that train stops. So, yeah. Um, but uh, A-League kicked off, A-League men's kicked off last night and good game. Yeah, cracker of a game. Good performance by Adelaide as well. Yes, and first half, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very much even contest. I liked mm-hmm. what I was seeing from the Mariners, that chance early doors and what was the seventh or eighth minute Yeah, was some beautiful football and just a shame that didn't go in the back of that because yeah. uh, I was saying last night, eight minutes into the season, we'd already have a contender for goal of the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. And, it's just good football all around, yeah. really. And the Ben Howard goal was mm. very well taken and a good build-up. Mm. Um, all in all, a good night and a good curtain racer for the competition. This was the two 
I think, in my mind, the two best teams to watch last season. Yeah, no, I agree with Central you. Central Coast and Adelaide. And part of that is Garang and Nestry. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it was also just the way they went about their football last season. And mm. I think it's a, a very difficult debut for the new Mariners boss, losing Alu Kual and Kaltak yeah. due to injury. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's the Mariners uh, pretty will be, rough. The Mariners will have a, a bit of a slow start to the season, I think, whilst they adjust. But I think that they'll... Um, uh, you know, they'll be there around the six. I think so, too. Mm. I think so, too. The, the football they were playing yeah. last night at times was, it was great. fantastic was great. to watch. Yeah. And they'll pick up plenty of points this season. To the national side, the men's national team, what did you make of the two matches, Australia versus England and Australia versus New Zealand? I think generally positive is my emotion surrounding oh. it. Yes, they lost to England, but, I mean, the difference was a goal scorer. Australia had their chances to put the ball in the net. I think more of them were chances that Australia could have scored rather than should have scored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you rack up enough could-haves and you turn them into a should-have. And I think really a draw would have been a fair result, which no one is expecting Australia to go toe-to-toe with England. Yes, we would like Australia to be able to match up with the biggest teams in the world and the best teams in the world. But in reality... There's a massive golfing class between England and Australia, between the players on paper. So mm. anytime we play these massive teams, whether it be England, be it Argentina, mm. be it whoever, if we're able to match it, that can only be seen as a positive for mine. And it is good preparation for the Asian Cup in January. I agree. I think that was backed up by the New Zealand match. And the Socceroos played some fantastic football in that one. And mm. also, I think something that's going a little bit under the radar, but maybe not so much now, is how good Australia are without the ball. And it's not just a case of low block mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, counter. Mm. Australia on the front foot, they're pressing mm. against the teams that yeah. against the teams that Australia are expected to do well against, like New Zealand, mm. and like some of the teams we've got mm. in the uh, first round of the World Cup mm. qualifiers, and mm. some of the teams will play the Asian Cup. Yep. Australia are capable of being a dominant force, mm. and it's good to see. It's a question that we had surrounding this team: whether Australia had the the gra- the craft, the creativity, the goal-scoring prowess to really put some goals away against some teams they're expected to beat. But yeah. I think we got some answers this week. I was very impressed with the performance against England, even though England you know, um, played a second 11 in effect. But, I mean, England can put three teams out and you know they would be quality, right? To play that way that they did against England and to, by and large, have the better chances, right? Uh, very impressive performance. And it holds Australia in, in very good stead. Uh, and you're right to mention the performances against Argentina and Mexico. It's been really good, right? It's been progressive. And in fact, I would say that it's been very encouraging from the back of the World Cup, the Men's World Cup. Um, so, you know, full credit to Graham Arnold and the technical team. Good performance against New Zealand, played within ourselves as well, even though we were expected to dominate possession, which Australia did. Um, yeah, it was just comfortable. It was comfortable. Didn't really have to push ourselves um you know, had the better part of play, we were able to contain New Zealand's threats, able to move around the ball, press where we had to, create pressure, and um, uh, we could have had more goals, but, yeah, happy with the two goals that um, that went in. But Very really much impressive. So. And Yeah, sorry, Nathan, I was going to say, really impressive performance against England, though. Yeah, big time. And yeah. it's been a good international window for Ryan Strain. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed what I was seeing from him over the window, and it was pitted as a chance for him or Lewis Miller to take a spot for the Asian Cup with both Atkinson and Karacic unavailable or mm-hmm. not picked for fitness reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian Strain did his cause no harm whatsoever. Agree. 
and I would make him favourite to start in the Asian Cup in that first game. I think Boyle's got to start too. Surely. He has to start based on those two performances. He was very impressive. Very impressive. Um, happy with at the back. Great to see Luongo against New Zealand. Cheesy was good. <laughs> oh, was, we've missed him so much. <laughs> he, it was so good to see. So, look, if Australia can carry this through to the Asian Cup, um, I like our chances of finishing top four. We should finish. Australia should finish semifinals in the Asian Cup. I think that's a minimum expectation now. I would be disappointed if they don't. Right, but mm. things happen in football, right? Oh, of course, but, and it's tournament football, right? So, as far as qualifying is concerned, and having looked at the group of the World Cup qualifiers, um, I don't see any banana, you know, potential banana skins there, um, given that um, the you know the groups have been drawn, and um, you know the you know Australia should get out of that group very, 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 very efficiently. And move into the next phase of qualifying, which um, where the real meat of the uh, of qualifying is. Very much so. And I think Graham Arnold is having a little bit of an impact at the moment with his reputation as a manager. Mm. I think um, post Asian Cup, maybe into the new season, we he might see himself in a European gig, perhaps a a different national team. Maybe uh, I think I know. based I on know. what we've seen from this past year going World Cup and maybe slightly earlier to now, I think he'd have some suitors. Oh, of that, there's no doubt. Right? And, and not I just like the, the one pun. in his back line. And I, I like the pun, <laughs> yes. Uh, I like the pun. But of that, there's no doubt. I don't know if Graham would do that, though. I think he'd want to go to the next World Cup with his side. The thing is, I think back to Graham Arnold's first tenure as Socceroos boss. Yep. And and that Asian Cup. Different. Different different I, time. Different time. Mate. Um, different time. I'm completely aware. And that's my point. I think if Australia were to go and win this tournament in January, mm-hmm. which is in their capabilities, I'm not mm-hmm. saying they should win it, sure. but it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. And they're one of a handful of countries that are in the running. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a full redemption for Graham Arnold, and that might be box ticked. Okay. The only thing that scares is, me, so, mm-hmm. to your point, sorry to interrupt you, the only thing that scares me to that point is that Tim Cale's just been made technical director of the Qatari FA. So that could be something that might, you know, come into the picture. Yeah, I'll flesh that point out. Flesh no, that well, point out. What's, well, the, what's the link? No, there's no link. It, it's just that Tim Cale, right, has been in Qatar, involved with Qatar for a while. Now, the Asian Cup is in Qatar. If, you know, and he's spoken very highly about Graham Arnold in the past with regards to the work that he's done with the current national team. So if there's a, now that he's involved with the Qatari FA officially as the technical director, if Qatar have a failure like they did at the, the World Cup that they just hosted, they might be able to throw the cash around and see if they can get Graham Arnold to be involved in Qatar. That's the only kind of thing that I play that I could see coming, you know, coming into effect. But part of me tells, you know, part of me really believes that Graham Arnold wants to take this side to the next World Cup. Yeah, I think the way I'm sort of looking at it at the moment is what more can Graham Arnold achieve at a World Cup beyond what he was able to last year? Yes, it's an, this generation of Australian footballers. He's very much involved with the under-23s team. It's the continuation of this generation. Sure, I get that. I see that. Mm. But realistically, beyond getting past getting to the first knockout round, which change of format, don't know whether that's a should or a maybe. Mm. Depends how it sits, what sort of group mm. we get drawn in. Mm. Assuming we get there, mm-hmm. it also knows. <laughs> oh, um, come on, if, we don't, if yeah, Australia we'll doesn't there. make this World yeah. Cup, then come on. <laughs> hey, we're not there yet. 
No, we're not, but come on. It's 48 nations, for goodness sake. <laughs> um, but the point is, beyond getting past one knockout round, what else is there to achieve at a Two World no- Cup being the top be th- Three knockout rounds. Three knockout rounds, <laughs> because the next World <laughs> Cup will have a round of 32. So get past, get out of the group, go through the first knockout phase of round of 32, get past the round of 16, and then that's it. Job done. I mean, quarterfinal. A quarterfinal would be amazing. It would be. You know, it would be. Of course, it is. Like, I'm not sure how realistic that is, though. And for mine, if I was Graham Arnold, I think if the soccer is a victorious in Qatar in January, mm-hmm. you walk. That away. would, I would walk away to be honest, because that is nicely boxed off. That is a very good stint as national team manager. Okay. And I don't think his stock would get higher. Oh, well, then he's expecting to get down this rabbit hole right now. I like it. <laughs> I don't know who would come into his place after that. And the thing is, Australia football Australia right now can't afford to lose Graham Arnold in the way that he is talking outside of the game, to be honest. That's, He's that's putting also a true. lot of pressure on government, which we haven't seen for a long time. Mm. And he's one that can really sustain that kind of pressure. So the game needs him right now. Yeah, that is the other side of it. And I completely agree with that. It is good to see these sorts of comments come out in his presser. What, what was it over this international break? Every he time said, he's uh, talking about it, I think Nathan. the Prime Minister has lost his scarf. Matilda scarf. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, no, but he, not only the Prime Minister, all the all politicians. Mm, yeah. Right? He goes, oh, they seem to forget their scarves when it comes time to talking about money and resources and funding the game. And he was pretty brutal because, you know, in the UK, he was able to get onto Talk Sport, BBC, and those kind of platforms and absolutely just give it to the government. And I'm glad he did. Very much so. Very much so. Mm. And it's, well, we don't know if it's making an impact, but I would like to hope it is. I'd like to hope those in Canberra are sort of thinking twice again, perhaps. uh, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the World Cup bid that Australia is trying to prepare for, which we can touch on (laughs) shortly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week or the week before that Australia would need, Australia needs some assurances that this is actually a process and not a process for the sake of looking like having a process. Sure. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. We saw this week Indonesia were throwing their support behind the Saudi bid and uh, deciding against exploring an opportunity to join up with this Southeast Asian bid that uh, we appear to be uh, throwing together. I think there's a little bit of a cynical view. You know, I don't mind a cynical view. Not at all. (laughs) Um. I think we can speculate on reasons as to why Indonesia have thrown their support behind the Saudi bid and decided against joining mm-hmm. up with Australia or Singapore, mm-hmm. Malaysia mm-hmm. and co mm-hmm. as a counter for 2034. Mm-hmm. And part of me is thinking that Australia should only stay in the running to host this World Cup mm-hmm. to uh, fall to the same sort of reason for departing the scene. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, but I actually think it works in Australia's <laughs> favour, to be honest. Ironic, like in a roundabout way, it works in Australia's favour to actually not have Indonesia as part of it. Go on. Well, the only because of the uh, bad taste with regards to Indonesia and the way that um, they handled the under twenties World Cup. Right, I actually think that um, with a lot of the voters, that this could work in Australia's favour as far as the campaign. So it's clearly defined that it will be Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and Malaysia so far. All right, if that's the defined. Bid well, fantastic. Let's just go with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think this is a fair fight. I think they've already made up their minds. So do I. And it's my belief that this process in that 
Australia are um, embarking on is simply there to make it seem like there is a process. Yeah, I'm with you there, but that's the cynical, the cynic in me, right? But I do think there is merit in both, like in both bids. But I actually think that FIFA will try and garner a negotiation between this bid, the Australian bid, and Saudi, right? To actually make it Saudi, Australia, and New Zealand. I really do think that that's on the cards, and maybe, and maybe a. And if I was FIFA, I would say, listen, get them together and put India in there as well. So that, and just do it that way. I know it's bad as far as hey, it's not ideal with the regimes and what have you. But um, as far as a football tournament being organised, right? The Saudis are only doing it for a. How can I put this politely? <laughs> um, Don't. Okay. <laughs> no. I've got to put it politely. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Vested interests. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't have anything to do with your uh, other football club that you support, would it? It, it could. It could. Yeah. Um, but no. But Which we'll come well, on to, by the way. Oh, well, this, God almighty. This, this episode could be forever, you know. <laughs> However, uh, that said, I think it's, you know, to have a AFC slash OFC World Cup awarded and to actually integrate, you know, the Indian population into that, I think is, a, you know, would be a, a good meeting, you know, meeting place. I can see where you're coming from, from yeah, it, but it, I, I think the countries are just way too far apart geographically. Football diplomacy, that's what I'm trying to get to. But anyway, yeah, that's what FIFA is supposedly for. But I think there will be a, because it won't be, let me put it this way, 48 nations, is a huge logistical operation. I don't care if you're the Saudi Arabia or any other country for that matter. The days of single ho- single countries hosting World Cups are over. It- it's that yeah. simple. If America can't do it, no one can. No, that's right. So Civilized. right now, it- it's that simple. Because if, in fact, you're right there, Nathan. If the USA could host the 48 Nation World Cup on its own, but they're not and they can't. So or they won't. Right. So I think that's uh, what set the market now. Now, if the Saudis want to try and do a a uh, appendage measuring um, exercise, if I can put it that way, right? Well, then good luck to you, but I don't see it that way. <laughs> An appendage measuring exercise. That's one way of putting it. Well, yeah. Like I said, I had to think of the politest way to put it because it's <laughs> with a bit of colloquialism as well. But it's not, yeah. Uh, look, yes, economically they could do it. Resource-wise, no, as far as stadia, you know, Hotels, things like that. No, the, you know, and FIFA need to be clever about it and do a dose of football diplomacy here and work a solution. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I think I think it is just going to be Saudi Arabia and, and enough twenty four to talk. They've got enough money to throw around to build sure. stadiums and hotels, and they've True. effectively got a bottomless pit of money. What about training? Yeah, but okay, forty eight camps. So yeah, stadium. You might have sixteen stadia. What about forty eight training camps? Go for it. I mean, it's you know a drop in the bucket for them. Sure. Oh, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Yeah. That's why I said, look, and that's why you don't have the US actually doing that, right? That's yeah. why you don't have the US hosting this World Cup on its own. They could. Yeah, that's true. But they- uh, They definitely could. And there was a story over the break, Les, that the uh, World Cup in 2026 uh-huh. won't be uh, making use of the wonderful SoFi Stadium. Yeah. I'm surprised by this. But then what worried me- is that then they were talking about the World Cup final being played at in Dallas. Oh. And we saw the debacle of the Ooh. pitch that they had. Just give How it to MetLife. How about the Azteca? How about the Azteca? Yeah, the Azteca would be good. Give it to MetLife. Give it to New York. A World Cup final in New York would be insane. <laughs> that it would. That it absolutely Just would. Just give it to New York. 
just be done with it, right? It seems it, ridiculous to me that they haven't been able to reach an agreement for the SoFi Stadium. With the Cronkies. With the Cronkies, yep. <laughs> or put it in Vegas. I mean, I know Vegas isn't a World Cup City host, but geez. That would be something. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> Very but, much so. But yeah. But... See, even look, but also having said that, why not San Francisco as a World Cup final place? That stadium, Levi Stadium, is on, is great. I mean, they're using it. So why not just do it there? Yeah. I think FIFA would want a World Cup in LA or New York. New York. That's the right. final. They're the two big cities, of course. Correct. And I think anything other than the MetLife Stadium in New York would be a downgrade. I agree. Yes, I know the stadiums are fantastic all over the US, mm. but just the nature of, as you say, a World Cup final in New York, oh. incredible. Something tells me it's going to go to Dallas. I oh. assurances. Yeah. After what was served up last month. Or, yeah, last month. I'm not confident on those uh, assurances if they even were given, to be honest. <sighs> Never mind. Never mind. Shall we Never move mind. On? Anyway, we shall move on. Okay. There's one minor issue we need to talk about out of International oh, Week, right? I mean, yes. there was plenty of goals scored and what have you, but mm-hmm. um, bugbear of mine. Go on. The Greeks always struggle against the Dutch. I do not understand <laughs> what the heck is going on. <laughs> no, but look, fair, fair play to the Netherlands, um, you know, and uh, Greece shot themselves in the foot. When it came to Euro qualifying, unfortunately, this time around, because Absolutely. they could have won that game and they didn't, and they panicked when they shouldn't have. I mean, the Dutch could have had two or three penalties. Yeah, that that's all they had penalties. Mm. And you know, I mean, the Netherlands but, don't play pretty football. They don't play crazy football. To. They used, they used to, me, to not anymore. Give me the Euro '88 side of any day, seriously. Yeah. And ah, oh, it's been so long now since the Dutch have played good football. I think. They've had good results, sure. Mm, Making mm. World Cup semifinals is and nothing finals. to be sneezed at. And finals. And finals, yeah, 2010, mm, mm. Uh, 2014, 22, sure, great results. But they don't play good football. They haven't played good football for a long time now. Mm. And whether it be Ronald Koeman, whether it be Louis van Gaal. Mm. Yeah. I'm just peeved with Gus Poyet. He got this one yeah. wrong. He got this one wrong this time. He was no need to be so defensive from the start and then try and surprise. He could have just been on the offensive from the get-go and – they would have, you know, they could have gotten a candidate result, but wasn't to be. You only needed a point. You only yeah, needed a point. Exactly right. Yeah. The other thing that peeves me is that, listen to this. So now Ireland, who have only won <laughs> one game in that group, right? <laughs> it's in Ireland's interest to actually lose to the Dutch in the next round of qualifying so that they can actually try and have a chance to qualify for Euro through the Nations League. Explain that to me. <laughs> When a situation like this comes around, you do have to sit, step back a little bit and think, what the hell is going on? I said something worse than that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Because it should never happen that it's in a country's best interest to lose. Never, never. Just on the pure merits of the sport, on the pure merits of the game, but also that opens up potential match fixing. Uh, hello, the integrity of the competition. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. You, this is just insane. It's an insane like, situation. If you're Ireland... Why not just forfeit. stick 10 goals in your own net? Just forfeit. Just forfeit. Like, it's stupid. It's so dumb. It's, it's incredible that we've got to this point. And who was the genius that thought about this, really, at UEFA? So we can't get crowd control right at UEFA, and we get uh, and we mess this up. Would the Nations League have been uh, El Presidente? Would he have been around mm, then? Oh, good question. We're going to have to do some research on that, Nathan. Yes, we are. It uh, could be uh, El, very well El Presidente. <laughs> Um, oh, my Lord. That could have been his but, gift, parting gift to UEFA. <laughs> I'm sure he would have seen a draft at some point. Today, I feel like effing UEFA <laughs> up. 
Um, but no, you have to do a good job of that themselves. They don't need any, don't need any help. Especially in their security with regards to crowd control. But never mind. Yes. Um, and, and other things. Very much so. <sighs> uh, other am stories out of the international break, guys. I was going to say, sorry, am I being too critical of UEFA for our no. future or... I don't, I don't no. know. Like, no. I okay. don't think you've been critical enough, if anything. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> it's Saturday morning. I don't want to tee off yet. You know, I want people yeah, to enjoy their yeah. weekend and listen to it. You know, <laughs> also, we're in a cel- we should be in a celebratory mood. That's right. Given it's our one year anniversary, our birthday, even. Correct. Um, there's other stories from the uh, international break. We won't spend too much time on it because it is quite mm. sad. Mm. Oh, yes. I know where you're going. Yes. This is Belgium, Sweden. Very sad. Yeah. Very yeah. sad. Um, two gentlemen went to go watch a football match, uh, one in their 60s, one in their 70s, and they didn't come home, which is a real shame. Yeah. And and very, um, very sad. Um, one thing that gets me about this story, Nathan, is that the Belgian police knew it. The match of, like, somebody at UEFA knew it. They didn't tell the Swedish national team before, and this happened before kickoff. And once the Swedes found out at half time, they said, we're not going yet. We're not continuing. We can't. Um, well, that's what the story that I, I, as I understand it now, they spoke to the Belgians and then they agreed and that was it. So it, it look, this is, this was the actions of someone that was not well, seemingly right. And it just wanted to shoot anyone wearing a Swedish jumper or Jersey and it, it should not happen anywhere, especially in a, you know, in, you know, countries like Belgium and, and these kind of things, it, it's it's so sad. It shouldn't be happening in, in anywhere in the world of football. Right? It's that simple, right? Yeah, of course. Well said. And mm. there's plenty of bad stories going on around the world at the moment. Mm. We won't. I mean, we touched on what's going on in Israel and Palestine on our last recording. Yeah. Just more sad stories. And mm. I mean, there's no way to spin this. It is terrible news. Mm. Absolutely terrible news. And mm. uh, we can only hope that uh, things improve from here on out. But. Uh, I think it may indeed get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that way, unfortunately. But um, just hope and pray that, you know, there are better days ahead and that um, people value life. Really, that's what it comes down to. But let's move on. Let's move on before we get too yeah, dreary. You know, we want to entertain and you know, lighten the mood because uh, football should be bringing us joy. Mm, that it should. That mm. it should. And we can look towards some of the best footballers for that. Indeed. And the uh, Ballon d'Or ceremony is coming up. I wasn't going to go there, but okay, tell us. Ballon d'Or. And the uh, the reports are that uh, they've already pretty much been confirmed because there's not really a contest this year. Who are, who are they? In the men's, it'll be Lionel Messi, of mm-hmm. course, mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And in the women's, it will be Aitana Bomati. Can't disagree with you there. I who think can? they've got it. I think they've got it right. <laughs> yeah, because Messi, unbelievable World Cup. Mm-hmm. Bonmati, unbelievable year. Yep. Won absolutely everything she could yep. have. Yep. And absolutely. was at the center of the Spain team that lifted the World Cup here in Sydney mm-hmm. and thoroughly deserved. Yep. But can't disagree with them there, even though they're, you know, French media, French, uh, media outlet organizes that. It's easy to get stuck into the French, but that's for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but um, with regards to other football news, right? Actually, before I start, what, what, what else caught your eye? Uh, I mean, it's. Not exactly a jovial story, but I did want to bring up everything surrounding uh, Sandra Tonali. Okay, so why are you doing this? <laughs> we said we'd, let's be more jovial, and you're just like, yeah, let's bring uh, up Sandra Tonali. Yes, I mean it is again yeah. someone who uh, has caught, been caught up 
in the world of betting. Mm-hmm. There's a follow-on from the Ivan Tony story, of course. Mm. And it's a player who has succumbed to a gambling addiction, unfortunately. So it's purported, but I'm not sure. Yes, as is reported, I should add. Right, because AC Milan could have just sold Newcastle a, like, you know, a problem <laughs> instead of, you know, um, instead of actually acting in the best interests of the player. But, um, yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation. I hope that he's looked after with his family, and I've heard Eddie Howe overnight say that, he, you know, they're putting their arm around the player and making sure that he is looked after and that he will be playing because he's, you know, trained very well. Of course, he didn't have yeah. the uh, international duty, right? So the Italians kicked him to the side. He's gone back to Newcastle, and Newcastle have opened their arms. But is he going to be allowed to play? Yes. Is the FA going to step in here? No, not at this point. Surely there'll be a, a Tony-esque band coming. Not yet. They've got to investigate a little bit first. Can't just go, okay, we're banning the player on su- on suspicion at this point. Fair enough. Fair, mm. Yeah, fair, fair enough. But so, yeah. But, it um, is something that uh, needs to be sorted out. Mm. And, I mean... Everyone can say, oh, what an idiot for betting on football matches. Mm-hmm. Are you a professional player? Do you really need the money? These sorts of things. But mm. it's more than that. It's how prevalent gambling sponsorship is in mm. football. Mm. Just the pictures that came out with Ivan Tony when he was winning, say, a Player of the Month award. It had plastered all over it. Skybet, who are the sponsor of the league, and Skybet on his kit, mm. and a betting company on the front of his shirt sponsor, a different one. Mm. I mean, who can blame a player that gets swept up in this sort of thing? Yeah, look, if you're going to take the money, right, if the clubs and the leagues are going to take the money from sponsors, from betting sponsors, they need to obviously provide the support to ensure that players aren't swept up in this type of thing, right? Now, it's only because of the integrity of the game again, right? And you don't want players to be tempted to match fix or do anything of that nature. By the same token, some people want to bet on their team actually doing well, which goes to show the ultimate confidence in your team. Right. But I think that's not an argument that stacks up with regards to the integrity of the competition. Even though I get the gesture saying, hey, I back our team and I think that we're really good, I think that they need to draw the line there. Um, Now, with regards to accepting the money, well, look, there's got to be more support around it. How much more support can there be? I don't know. But, um, you know, players obviously need education and they need to fill their time with something instead of just being open to betting and, you know, being bored because that's what it looks like. They don't have enough things to do outside of uh, outside of football. And I think part of it is they're not allowed to have a lot of things outside of football. They're so heavily controlled mm. through every waking moment, whether it is something that they eat, whether it's who they associate with. There's so much control that the clubs have over the players. I remember a story about James Madison when this was a few years ago that he was very much in a, a rough spot because he wasn't allowed to go and have a little bit of fun here and there. He wasn't allowed to... Um, go and hang out with some mates or go and have a little bit of something different to eat. I think a lot of the time people expect players to be robots. Yeah, and they're humans. They they can't be robots. They are humans, exactly. And yes, sports science, of course, right? That's just come on leaps and bounds, and part of that is diet and exercise and what you do when and so on and so on. But at the end of the day also, there's a human side to it. Suggestion. Go on. What they basically need to fill their time up, right? So they might spend half a day at the training, right? Day off whatever, you know, day off is when they're, obviously is their downtime. But when they're employed by a club, employ them for the 38 weeks or 38 hours, I should say, like, for, you know, for the week. So, yes, include the game time, but actually have them on site at the club doing stuff, working with the uh, academy, you know, working with the academy players, actually doing something, right, or going to, to the foundation where because all these clubs have foundations, 
just get them involved and get them utilizing their time that way. And that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. I can get behind that. And a lot of the players, unfortunately, it seems like they've got too much time and too much money. Mm. And whether it is you get caught up in things like gambling, whether it is you get caught up in the wrong kinds of people. Yes. It's that very happens. easy to attract those issues when you have a lot of time and a lot of money. Mm. Very true. Unfortunately. And everyone, well, not a, a lot of people parrot the line that oh, they're footballers, they make so much money, they don't do a whole lot. Why should anyone feel any sympathy for them? But everyone has their struggles. And part of being a footballer is the absolute commitment you need 24 7, 365. Yep. Uh, very true. And look, there are 10 names we should mention that the Italian prosecutors have at this point. So, yeah. So let's just wait and see exactly how this whole investigation plays out. Yeah, very much so. Laz, what else caught your eye this week? Okay. Should we do the man- you know, the obligatory Manchester United section of the pod, like for, you know, five In- minutes? Because it's, <laughs> you know. In true backpack fashion. Yes. It's, it's you who brings it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, one would say I'm fascinated with it. I'm not. I'm actually fascinated with the story to be honest, right? <laughs> and it might be a point in case for other clubs to not to follow. But, okay, I'll ask you a question. What do you make of Jim, Sir Jimmy Ratcliffe's um, demand to look after the football side of things for 25% of the shares? Big tick. Good, okay. Speaking as a supporter, big Why? tick. Why? Because it can't get worse than what it has done for the past decade. Finishing fourth isn't bad, or third. I mean, Manchester United, not last season, season before, had their most toxic, most horrible season imaginable mm-hmm. on and off the field, and they finished seventh. Mm-hmm. So that's effectively a flaw for this mm-hmm. football club. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing so many misguided transfers, and mm-hmm. since Eric, Ta- Eric Ten Hag has come in, it has mm-hmm. been, all right, Eric, who do you want to sign? Who's in your WhatsApp, mm-hmm. essentially? Okay. And the running joke is, is he Dutch? Maybe. Has he played in the Eredivisie, or has he played on the Ten Hag? Mm-hmm. They're the Manchester United targets. Okay. For the last three windows, with one or two exceptions being Casemiro, mm-hmm. which Sir Jim had uh, some interesting things to say about it this week. That mm-hmm. £75 million on Casemiro is a transfer that raises his eyebrow, and not one that he would sign off on. Mm-hmm. Good last season. This, is, this season has been a shambles. Mm-hmm. But the point yeah. is, I sent you a text when it broke that the <laughs> Qataris were pulling out yes. of the race. Yes. And... Clearing the way for a minority investment from Jim Ratcliffe, mm. I put it down as the best, the best Manchester United news since the title win in twelve thirteen. <laughs> Fair enough, <laughs> and it might be longer. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> do we think that um, Jaden Sancho is going to AC Milan in January? He's going somewhere because he won't stay around. Okay, nope. And right. he won't apologise to Eric Ten Hag, which is the the entry price to getting back in the first team. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's it seems like the club have to uh, eat their oh, losses on that. Okay, the uh, the big transfer fee and the two hundred fifty thousand pound a week wage that he's been on for a few years now. Yep, it looks like the club just have to eat it because oh. they're not going to get a whole lot of return on it. That's enough Manchester United talk now. I, I think we're done. There we go, <laughs> Laz. I want to um, talk about the Women's Champions League. Okay, sure. And look, Manchester United are, getting, are going to get a mention here, but it's not well, Manchester United. It's women's team. Yep. <laughs> We had the final rounds of the qualifiers for the group stage this week. Uh-huh. And in the process of these qualifiers, both during the earlier rounds in this round, we've lost two of the semi-finalists from last uh-huh. season, one of them the finalists in Wolfsburg and Arsenal. Wolfsburg, yeah. Also lost Man United. That's not a bad thing. I, <laughs> I don't think the Champions League is better off than not having these sides. Yeah. Yeah, but then you're going to ask, okay, well, then the top four should be protected. I'm not I'm asking for that. that. Well, okay. Well, what are you asking for then? 
I'm asking for an expanded tournament and seeded qualifiers. In no world should Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester United be facing each other in a playoff. Mm. Don't you like the randomness of it, though? No, I don't, because I, I think <laughs> it makes... A weird. <laughs> I think it makes the, the actual tournament proper worse off. Yes, uh, okay. the, the teams that win are the teams that deserve to go through. Yeah, I'm not sure. arguing that whatsoever. Mm. But there should be more seats on the bus. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So the semi-final should be seated at the very least if they qualify for the next year. Yeah, unless they have an absolute bomb in the league. Okay. Right. Fair if enough. Manchester United finished second mm. in the WSL, mm. come up against Paris Saint-Germain mm-hmm. in a qualifier to get mm-hmm. into the group stage, mm-hmm. that seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, look. Okay, I was playing advocate there. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you fundamentally. Yes, there should be more seating with regards to it. I agree. I do. Like, I, there's, there's merit in that. There's no doubt, right? But part of me actually doesn't mind the randomness of it <laughs> because it makes for, you know, interesting stories like you've, you know, we're talking about this issue. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought Arsenal would be out? I know. Out so early. Wolfsburg is a big one. Yeah, And absolutely. Juventus are out too. And Juventus are out too, yeah. Mm. It's insane, you know, and these clubs are clubs that are actually spending resources on their women's team. So it goes to show the challenge that women – the women's teams right now are having with the workload, if I can put it that way, right? Um, but also, you know what, Nathan? It's a post-World Cup season, so early on in the season, you're going to get those kind of anomalies. That you are. That you are. And we did have the draw for the group stage, and I think for mine, the highlight is seeing Chelsea, Real Madrid, and Paris FC, not Paris Saint-Germain, Paris mm. FC in mm. the same group. Which will be good to see, actually. That'll be great. Yes. Because that Paris mm. FC side is... Uh, you know, always a thorn in the side of um of uh, Olympic Lyonnais. That they are. And I think I'm really looking forward to Chelsea against Real Madrid. Mm, same. Tasty. Yes, and indeed. I, as far as I know, they haven't done the fixtures, so we don't know when that match is going to take place. But in any case... Look, uh, and I like the look of this Real Madrid women's side too. I mean, Hayley Rosso mm. has you know, been a really good addition to it, but Atenea is a live wire who we had the uh, pleasure of seeing in... May of 22, um, you know, and also in the Women's World Cup here, you know, uh, Real Madrid women's team have got some really good players. Linda Caicedo too. Yeah, <laughs> let's not forget yeah. Caicedo. Yes, mm. very well said, Nathan. Very much so, very much so. Mm. Laz, what else you got? Bayern Munich. Go on. Mm. Thomas Tuchel. Is he getting Looking- the boot? No, looking for a central defender because they've got some injuries. So they're okay so far, but as far as they're a bit light on central defenders at the moment, or centre-halves as you would like to call them. <laughs> um, and apparently there's talk of him getting Papastathopoulos, and this is not from a Greek newspaper. This is from an English <laughs> source. Wow. Yeah, and apparently it's real. I mean, he's probably the best free agent centre-back going around. I don't know about that. No, he's not. I don't think so. No? Who's, <laughs> a, who's a better free agent centre-back right now? Look, he's a good player, but uh, he was a good player. I would not put him. Mm. He's 35 going on 36. So I don't think, you know, they shouldn't have not let Hummels go, to be honest. No, they shouldn't have. Right? You're right. But, um, free agent. Oh, look, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. But I just felt, find it fascinating. Although, look, Pavel Sothopoulos is very familiar with the German league. Obviously, he spent years at uh, Dortmund. Right? Mm. And, um, you know, was a mainstay there. So... And I would hasten to add that would have been under Tuchel's watch at some point, or Tuchel being an assistant with um, uh, Jürgen. Yeah, you might be right there. Mm. So I think that's but, where the association comes from. I mean, in any case, just surely there's a decent kid in the academy. Has at to be. Bundesliga 2, at uh, Bayern Munich 2, I should say. Yeah, would have to be. There's, surely there's a kid you can play instead no, of drafting in 
Socrates. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I just found that interesting, nonetheless. Um, look, really, there's been there's been other things that have caught my eye, Nathan. But the, it, this episode could go for, for ages and ages. But I might mention a couple of things quickly. Go on, quick fire then, huh? Right, quick fire. Okay, Fluminense, right? Brazilian Ooh, league referee absolutely loses it. Well, not loses it, but the be- the uh, substitutes lose it. The coaching staff absolutely loses it. And um, he ends up sending uh, three players from <laughs> red carding three players from the bench. <laughs> you know, That's and, amazing. That and the coach amazing. and the coach goes as well. So I found that uh, quite quite entertaining, to be honest. Um, Any yes. knees going? Sorry, say that again. Any knees going? No, no knees going. <laughs> no knees going. <laughs> and I found out why Italy actually came across why Italy actually play in blue the national oh. zone. Mm. So basically, right, they were getting ready to play France in the international back in 1910. Mm-hmm. Italy used to wear white. Yes. They had to get an away strip, and they decided against either green or red, so they went with blue. And that's purely the only de- basis for the decision. So that, that's why, why didn't they go green or red? They just chose against going with green or red, and that's why they're known as the Azuri. Okay. And adopted it as their home kit. Just very simple 1910 thinking. Yep, very much so. Mm. I remember... A story of a similar vein. It was um, how athletic club Bilbao got their colours. Yep. And it was some um, English students who uh, were looking for some kits. They the club used yes. to wear blue and white stripes, mm-hmm. and they brought over some shirts from Southampton. That's right. The uh, the red and white stripes have stuck ever since. <laughs> so fascinating, it's, uh, fascinating. Early twentieth century. Yeah. Early twentieth century. It was very much the sense of uh, oh yeah, that'll do. Yeah, absolutely. And. We've uh, built a century of tradition off the back of it, which is fantastic. That's yep. why we love the sport. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So there you have it. So there's a couple of um, tidbits that uh, caught my eye. Also, something that came out of the Optus Sport, and I'm not saying this is a compulsory weekly <laughs> mention, right? <laughs> but we couldn't have our birthday show without an Optus Sport yeah, mention. Exactly right. <laughs> but uh, Mark Schwarzer on the Optus Sport podcast this week, mm-hmm. getting back to football Australia, mentioned this, and you tell me what you think. Gone. I haven't heard tr- it, so this tried- will be a, a raw reaction. Okay, he's tried to go to the FA and offered services for free to help with the program, but he's gotten zero response, and he's brought it up a couple of times recently and still hasn't heard anything. Thoughts? I mean, you would like to think players uh- like Mark Schwarzer, who have contributed so much on the pitch, mm-hmm. would know a thing or two about processes and how they could yep. improve, and, and yep. they should players like Mark Schwarzer mm-hmm. and others as well from oh. that golden generation yep. and players of yesteryear going a little further back shore. Mm. There should be those who are able to voice their opinion to Football oh. Australia and Mark Schwarzer has a bit of a platform to do so in the media to do it anyway. Correct. But I'm sure there's some things that he's got in his back pocket that he's not mm. putting out there in the public domain. Yeah, and and, that, and it, to that point, I think this is especially around, just a little bit of context, especially around the registration fees around playing the game at MPL level, right? Oh, Where parents okay, are paying. Right, yep. No, like, but that's part yeah, yeah, of yeah, it, yeah. right? So that's part of it. So, you know, and we know how expensive that is. It's ridiculous. Mm. And the amount of money that juniors have to front up to play a decent level of football is a joke. Mm. And it has been for so long now. And you look around the football world and more and more, well, not more and more, but all the time, you see players on the absolute pinnacle of their national teams that have come from difficult living conditions mm, mm. and the equivalent people in Australia mm. are not getting that opportunity to go and play football because Very they just true. can't afford it. And so they're lost to football 
And yep. oh, this is something that needs to be worked out. It's mm. not new, this mm. topic, not new by any means, mm. but it's still important nonetheless and it needs to be fixed because we're losing too many people. Very true. Yeah, something that I haven't, you know, that hasn't come across my desk or something that my eyes haven't caught is a response from Triple Seven Group <laughs> for a request <laughs> to actually get them on the pod. I think they've got uh, bigger things to worry about at the moment, lads. <laughs> I thought you might find that and the listeners might find that of interest as well. That I have followed up Triple Seven Group, yet to get a response. I think Triple Seven Group have a bigger fish to fry at the moment. And this is surrounding the story that apparently they've, uh, what was it, missed a deadline or mm-hmm. needed a bailout, something like that. Mm. And this has made news, particularly in English football circles, mm-hmm. because they're essentially taking over Everton mm-hmm. and uh, seemingly, when it comes to Everton supporters, out of the frying pan into the fire. Mm. Yes. Yeah, they've missed a payment uh, deadline for paying wages. There you go. Mm. That's right. And, I mean, I know the, uh, the fit and proper owner test gets a little bit of a, a joke attached to it because it's the easiest thing in the world to pass. Oh, careful. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, does that not raise a bit of a red flag? Yeah, it does. It does. But um, I, I am working on trying to get a specialist uh, point of view with regards to multi- club ownership models so stay tuned for that one and i think that you'll be, or, i think you'll be pleased with that as well uh yes or as i would put it uh football colonialism <laughs> it's definitely not football heritage <laughs> had to get a jose mention in there yes <laughs> but uh yeah that's about it so i mean it's been a big week and there's heaps more to go into but i mean neymar acl well ah yeah look feel sorry for him but you know, not good, not good at all. But Uruguay actually beating Brazil, that was a big thing as well this week, actually. Well, and, uh, first time in 22 years it's happened. Mm, Marcelo Bielsa getting the, the goods. A uh, sign of things to come, I think. I think so too, just quietly. Mm. I think so too, just quietly. So watch this space with regards to the combo ball because it would be very interesting, that campaign. I think watch this space for 2026 too. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm. I agree with you. Mm. Maybe we can uh, have a bit of a uh, surprise uh Deep run from Uruguay mm. and a World Cup. Possibly. Possibly. But uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend, Nathan? I've got one more little Oh, you got one more tidbit? tidbit? Let's go. We, I probably should have brought it up when we're talking about internationals, mm-hmm. but it uh, escaped my mind at the time, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Christian Volpato. Mm-hmm. Seems as though his head's finally been turned, mm-hmm. and he's uh, open to playing for the Socceroos. Mm. That's interesting. I missed this. Do tell. Mm. It seems as though, uh, now that he's not necessarily playing for Roma mm-hmm. anymore. He's uh, struggling a little bit for some game time. Mm-hmm. He seems to be opening to the option of playing for Australia. And is well, it because his chances for playing for Italy are dwindling, perhaps? Could be. Could be, right? Um, look, he obviously needs to get his career back in back on track, mm. right? And worry about getting himself a regular start somewhere. And then let's worry about national selection after that. Yeah, very much so. Mm. And Arnie's very good at uh, picking out these players that uh, are eligible for Australia, but perhaps are unknowns to them, or they are hiding under a rock somewhere. Now that you've mentioned international football, and we'll just get on back onto it just briefly. Mm, go on. Germany. Nagelsmann taking the reins of the yes. German national side. Mm-hmm. Did a tour of North America. Well, two of the countries of North and Central America, who are World Cup hosts in 2026, and Germany hosting the Euros in 2024. And I would give him a big tick of approval. So you, Germany beating USA 3-1, and that leaves the USA in a bit of a worrisome state. 
and getting a two-all against a two-all draw against Mexico. Thoughts? I make it that Australia is good as Germany, then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There you go. Uh, but I think Germany are in for a rough trot at the moment. I, I think... think they've been in such a such a downward trend for mm. a long time now. Pretty much since they won the World Cup. Yep. They've been in a bit of a downward trend. Mm. Maybe Nagelsmann can sort them out. I was just about but to say that. When you are playing the Euros as the host country, you don't get too many warm-up competitive matches. You're playing mm. friendlies against the US and Mexico, mm. which They're I in don't a know boat, how though, good preparation Sorry. that's going to be. Sorry to interrupt. They're in a similar boat, though, to Germany now, because they're not really playing in qualifiers. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So And this goes back to the story last week about England mm. wanting to play qualifiers for the Euros they're hosting. Mm. I think it puts them in good stead, or better stead than playing friendlies anyway. And yes, Nations League is a thing, I know. And there's lots of football to go around, but more competitive games are better. Yep. Well, fair enough. Look, I think it holds Germany in a bit more upward trajectory, getting results against those two nations. And then let's see exactly where they are. So, and Nagelsmann might be the right person to take, you know, take them on at the right point in time, you know. Yeah. And obviously, and that, you know, it, it'll be taking I, Germany to the next World Cup. Yeah. And I think it puts him in, I think he needed to take a job, Nagelsmann. Yep. I Agreed. think if he passed up on this Germany role, it would have been too long mm. out of the dugout. Not mm. necessarily for his career or anything, but mm. if he doesn't take this Germany job and they go in a different direction and he doesn't end up in a role for the rest of this season, I don't think someone like a Real Madrid or a Chelsea come knocking. Mm. I yeah. think he'd have to build his reputation again. No, that's fair. So Germany's presents himself a good opportunity because they have been in a bit of a lull in the mm. last eight years. Mm. I honestly don't know what the expectation will be for Germany at this Euros because the Germany of the last few years has been dreadful. They've got so much talent. Got to be semi-final, surely. That's what you would expect of Germany. I would expect that's not that. what we've seen lately. No, that's not what we've seen lately at all. But Europe, anyone's beatable. Everyone's beatable in Europe. Mm. Right? Germany's been very beatable. <laughs> yeah, correct. But even Spain, <laughs> right? So you know, there's definitely um, a closeness around the Euro region now. As far as hey, anybody can beat anyone on any given day. Yeah, we forgot and to mention though. I'll uh, go on. No, no, you go. No, no, you go. No, I'll, I'll come back to this point. You go. No, I'm I'm moving on to what's coming on this weekend. You're so moving you on. Okay, San Marino. We should mention San oh, Marino. Oh yes, <laughs> San Marino. <laughs> you can't not mention San Marino. And this is where the episode goes. E. <laughs> Okay, you're getting fired up about San Marino. No, 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 not getting fired up. I'm I'm going to quote a tweet or something that they actually did. I just need to find it here. But um, it was quite funny. So basically what's happened is San Marino have uh, equalized against Denmark. It's their first Mm -hmm. goal for for two years, right? Yep. And some ridiculous... and some ridiculous uh, amount of time that they've since they've, I think it's been 2004 that they last won a game or something like that. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so it's the first time in two years that they've actually scored a goal. And um, the, I'll just find it now. I'll find the tweet. And then, and then there's a, a small story about it as well. Right. But um, here we go. San Marino. So, no, 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 no. Just talk amongst yourselves whilst I find these. <laughs> Where is it? So the tweet says, OMFG, OMFG, OMFG. <laughs> is that it? That's the, that's the tweet. <laughs> and, other, and other phraseology to that effect. So maybe yes. we can just keep the... And I'm, and I'm 
just nulling it down so we can, you know, maybe not make this episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, San Marino. Um, this is going to get a little sketchy because I don't necessarily remember all the details, but a 21st century group mm-hmm. who are a football data company. Mm-hmm. They run a lot of simulations and they run, collect a lot of data and they wanted to assess the level of San Marino mm-hmm. if they were in the English league system. Right. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I think uh, we'd be surprised if uh, they would register as a Premier League site mm-hmm. and they collected all the data and based on things like pass speed and movement and I don't know what sort of stats. It's, be- it's beyond my understanding. Mm-hmm. But because um, the English football pyramid goes a long way down. Yes, it does. A long way down. And I think they'd, their conclusion was, and I might be misquoting, but I think their conclusion was that um, the gap between the Premier League sides and all the way down to step 10 on the English football pyramid is a smaller gap than step 10 down to San Marino. Wow. So okay, if they were an English league club side, no one would ever have heard of them. Jeez. So, wow. So beyond the 10th level of English football. By a bigger margin than the 10th level to the Premier League. That's fascinating. Mm. It's ridiculous, but it's fascinating. <laughs> so no wonder they haven't won a game for so long and haven't scored a goal in two oh. years until this week. <laughs> well, well, the gap's just increasing, isn't it? Really, if you yeah, think about that's it. That way. Yeah, know, it's just increasing, and it's yeah, it's not going to be um, come down any. Or that gap isn't going to narrow anytime soon. Mm. So, uh, dear, very interesting nonetheless. And- off the back of this San Marino Denmark game, there was a bit of a stink kicked up, kicked up between uh, Rasmus Hoyland mm-hmm. and a couple of San Marino players. Mm. Essentially, they tried to kick him out of the game. And speaking with my red hat on, I'm glad that he came away <laughs> uninjured. <laughs> but he had a few choice things to say about it. And really, I'm siding with San Marino on this one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because what do teams like Denmark expect San Marino to do? Try and play football? Try and take them on at Denmark's game, it's not mm. realistic. They're not going to do anything. They're going to get killed every single time. Yeah, no, that's very true. So if you can't match someone with playing actual football, then you have to resort to, uh, well, not resort, but you have to go about a different manner. And making it a physical contest is a way to level the playing field. And given that Denmark only won by two goals to one, I'd say it worked. Very true. Do you want to know, and I'll credit Patrick Skeen for this, friend of the pod, um, and previous guest, do you want to know what the name of the San Marino fan club is. No, oh, I see this going. What is never, it? Never any Joy Brigade. <laughs> I think the name comes from the fact that they were formed after San Marino's most recent win. Right. So the, the fan group has never seen them win. Yeah, how was that? <laughs> and at least they got to, to uh, cheer a goal during the week. It's great. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Laz, yeah. what are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, before we get to that, there's one thing that I did okay. make an omission last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit to Norwich City and a viral video that went around with regards to um, checking in on people and actually having a conversation. And, and look, really, really great initiative by Norwich City. And uh, it was remiss of me not to mention that last week. So I uh, thought I'd give that uh, ignition and, uh, recognition and kudos now. Yeah, very much so. Uh, do go check it out. It's really touching, really moving. Mm-hmm. And um, I think more of it. It can only be a good thing. Agreed. Couldn't agree with you more, Nathan. Uh, what am I looking forward to this weekend? There's only one thing, really. Well, actually, two things, and they are Premier League related. And we, we, you know, we try not to be just a Premier League related show, but 
Actually, I'll make it three hey, we've barely we've, we've barely talked Premier League this week. Three things. Big blue tonight in Sydney, yep. right? Great way to kick off the A-League men's. Fantastic. So that's a big one, right? Um, but the Merseyside derby. And I know Klopp is – and this is now where the episode's going to go E. I know Klopp is going to complain about the 12.30 kickoff and why do the like, – you know, right? Mate, get over it. <laughs> Seriously. Right? You recognise the fact that your club is well supported and that the television audience around the world is the one that's actually driving this 12.30 kickoff. So get off your ass mm-hmm. and manage your side and don't worry about it. You're playing at home for goodness sakes, right? Like, seriously, the guy will find a thing, a fly on the wall and whinge about that. <laughs> oh, yes. And, There's, uh... and Arsenal-Chelsea. I'm looking forward to it too, by the way. Mm. Some reason, yeah, another big game. But Jurgen Klopp always has his, has his excuses and his negative talking points. Klopp's excuses are a thing. Klopp's excuses. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. I wouldn't have thought that was the thing, but now it is. Yes, yep. definitely. Yep. Whether it be the wind or the grass is too long or it's too wet or something like oh, that. This was going back gr- years and years no, ago. No, but the grass is too long. Like, come on, please, please play football, mate. Yep. Honestly. I mean, it is ridiculous. And look, the twelve thirty kickoffs are a part and parcel for the Premier League. It is great for those in this part of the world. It's been happening for and f- for a few years now, right? He's got to get over. It. It's been happening for longer than what he's been in in the Liverpool job for. Yeah. So get over it. Yes, Absolutely. The team is very popular, right? Um, I like him as a manager, but when he whinges and whines unjustifiably like this, right? It's like he thinks Liverpool's being picked on, mate. Other clubs would kill to have a twelve thirty kickoff and get the exposure that you that your club gets. So just deal with it. Get on the grass and big play time. football, man. Big time. Well, I don't know how many twelve thirty kickoffs Luton are going to have this season. They have one against Spurs. Yeah, but they're not going to get too many more. I don't think. No, they're not. Just deal with it. Seriously. Yeah. Anyhow, but that's what I'm looking forward to. Not club complaining, but the game. Hey, I wouldn't mind some club complaining this weekend. It means Everton have done something. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they could. They could. Uh, I don't. Um, I'm yeah. not sure about it though. Not going to hold my breath. No, mm. no. Uh, but, Laz, um, for me, I'm looking forward to going down to Campbelltown today. Mm. Checking out some Liga <laughs> live in the flesh. <laughs> the cowbells will be ringing. <laughs> the Bulls against the yep, big time. I'm going to take mine and uh, the Bulls in action against the Raw. Nice, nice. Good way to kick off. Great the, to um, get back amongst it. Yeah, good way to kick off the season for the Bulls. I think, but it will be a tricky game. I think so. I think it would be a surprise if either team made the six, mm. and uh, therefore it should be a pretty even game. I think both sides are looking to spring some surprises this season, so we shall see how that one pans out. Looking forward to just getting amongst it again. Sure. Football back. Okay. And not just the AFC Cup. Question. Right? Mm-hmm. Game of the weekend. Look, I, I like Sevilla, Real Madrid, and the Ramos, you know, welcoming back Real Madrid to Sevilla, the, you know, his boiled club, all that kind of stuff. That'll be great. Right, so that'd be really good. But I think the game of the weekend, City versus Brighton, surely that's worth a watch. Surely, surely, surely. I think Brighton are not quite as good as they have been last season. There's something not quite the same about them. Maybe it is the fixture load, but it uh, should be a great watch nonetheless. For mine, last game of the round is AC Milan-Juventus. Yes, yeah, that is this weekend. Jeez. <laughs> big weekend. That is a big weekend in Italy. Like, uh, um... Unfortunately, it's a, it's a bit of a rough time mm. being uh, Monday morning. Mm-hmm. But that's part and parcel of it, of course. Uh, you mentioned Chelsea Arsenal, Barca Athletic this weekend. Yeah, that'll be a good game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, there's a fair few good ones around. I'm also looking forward to Villa West Ham. That'll be a good game. That'll be mm. a really good game actually this year. Uh, mm. This season, the way that the both teams are, have been performing, I think that'll be a really good game. So very much so. Uh, you know, as a Geordie, looking forward to uh, Palace coming to 
St. James's Park and the, I should mention, uh, for the Newcastle United Supporters Group in Australia, the gathering is this weekend and it's in Melbourne this year. So uh, unable to make it this year, but wish all the uh, toon very well down there. Have fun in, in Melbourne. Will be... people be flying in on uh, Saudi Air by any chance? Uh, go away, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean that. No, they won't. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. But there you go. <laughs> did you see the promo video they put out for that? Yes, I did. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yep. Hey, Newcastle and I have got a, you know, they're bound to do that. If you're a sponsor and you're attracting that kind of money, sorry, if you're a club, a football club rather, and you're attracting that kind of money, you're going to put out those kind of pieces, aren't you? How much is it actually worth? Oh, come on now. <laughs> Seriously. It's starting to sound like Manchester City. Funny you should say that. <laughs> Go on. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. No, no, no. That's We can uh, park that for next week, I think. Okay, fair enough. I, you know, hey, listen, I tried to set you up. Not that we've planned anything that we've discussed here today, but yes. <laughs> no, it's just a chat, and mm. that's what we've enjoyed doing for the past year. True. Laz, I think we have hit the back peg. We have. Thank you again for Thanks, Nathan. a great chat. We've recorded here for about two hours. Don't mm. know how this will come out to in mm. terms of length, but uh, I hope all the back peggers out there have enjoyed it as uh, they have over the course of the past 12 months. Thank you very much to each and every one of you once again for checking out the show. Myself and Laz... Can't thank you enough for every listen. Two and a half thousand streams mm. and piece number 94 of content that we've put out. And it's going to be another great year ahead. we got uh, some guests line up and uh, some big things coming soon, as uh, the phrase always goes. Mm. Uh, thank you to you, Laz. Thank you to all the guests we've had. Thank you to all the listeners. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, well said, Nathan. You've said it all there. And I'll just echo those thoughts. And take care all. Enjoy the football. <laughs>